Hello, and welcome to I'm in Agony. We're your hosts, Rachel and Lizzie, and today we are going to discuss the tragic but also exciting and epic episode that was The Long Night, I think. They came up with the title The Long Night, right? They're, they're really dodgy with the titles this season. I don't honestly remember any of the titles. I just remember as episodes one, two, and three. So I'm kind of that bitch friend who spoils things, and I spoiled Rachel pretty harshly. Yes and no. Some things I was happy to be spoiled. Other things, one thing, not exactly, but that's okay. So I guess we should go back and sort of talk about what we, what our thought we thought were per, our predictions. We should talk about well, our predictions. Well, I think we should start with me asking a question that I think all our fans are most interested in. Do you still think political John and Dark Danny are happening, Rachel? Because I know people who were listening will know that last week. You finally believed in To Kill Real Lover. But what do you think now? Is it still going to happen? Yes, I am 100% political John. I feel like the political John, though, thing has... It's finished. Like, that thing has finished. And that the war for the Don has... it's, It's over. They were victorious. So the whole point of political John has been achieved. Well, she still has two dragons she could burn them with. Yeah, but uh, the main point. So it all basically depends on if, if if the truth is revealed. And it might. I'm not exactly sure. But I definitely think Dark Danny is happening. I'm 100% convinced of it now. Because the, A, the Night King is dead, and B, Jorah is dead. So how convinced were you before this episode? That Dark Danny was going to happen? Yeah. Um... I was about 80 or 90% convinced, but now I'm 100% convinced. Like it's just going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's a way better way of, of ending the series than ending it as a big battle with the Night King. I agree. I mean, I feel like the Night King battle was a bit anticlimactic, to be honest, but that's not that's not because there should be more with the Night King. I feel like they just should have had more excitement things happen along the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... They shouldn't have just spent an entire season of John just like trapped on an island looking at dragon glass mining. <laughs> yeah, because it did really build up the Night King. So Dark Danny is happening. It's on. Will John okay, does John love Danny? No, I just don't think so. Like Does he like her? I think he has respect for her in, in some senses, but he does definitely see a lot of the of her faults and it scares him. But what I, what I was trying to get to earlier is they built up the Night King a lot, which maybe was a mistake um, since I think a lot of people were getting upset that he got killed midway through the season. Mm-hmm. But personally, I see this as, as the perfect way to do it because the Night King... Even though he instills a great amount of fear in the characters and the audience themselves, he's an extremely one-dimensional character. He doesn't even speak. We don't really know anything about him. Um, And so having him be the, the final big bad would really be the antithesis of everything that Game of Thrones is about because bar season seven, it's really it's character driven. It's focused on characters evolving, learning, loving, 
Season Losing. seven also is character driven in a way because it's like John's just mining. <laughs> John gets himself captured. They just moved the plot extremely fast, which is why it felt like characters were going to the wayside. But I see now, seeing season eight, I see why they moved the plot so quickly. I I do have more faith in D and D now. I do, which I never thought I would ever say that. Like, I was the biggest D&D anti when season five came out. Because of the Stannis? Like, as a result of... Yeah, and the Stannis arc ending. I was, like, a huge D&D anti and was through season seven. So it's kind of weird for me to, like, be sticking up for them. But I think they're they're very conscious that they need to do it correctly. And so I have a... I have faith in them now that the Night King is dead because if they do it right, if they do Dark Danny correctly, it is going to be way more impactful and revolutionary in television than having the Night King be the final thing. I know because it's kind of like one of those unreliable narrator tricks, but it really gets you because... It was so obvious all along that she was going to go dark. Like, it wasn't hidden from us. And yet, a lot of people just didn't, like, it didn't go through their mind. And then when people told them it was going to happen, they wouldn't accept it. So, it really was great writing from both D&D and George R. R. Martin that he was able to make Danny both, like, a tyrant and, like, a self-insert sort of cute little girl as well. Uh-huh. Like, when you look at Danny's arc in its entirety, that is one of the most amazing character journeys that I can ever think of in, in fiction. From where she started to where she ends up and all of the things that she goes through, whether you like her or not, or, or agree with her or not, it is very unique, and it makes sense. And it's so much in the area of gray, which is all about Martin's writing. Is it? It's not like Tolkien. It's not black and white. So you can see where Danny came from, and you can empathize with her on a lot of stuff, and you can fundamentally disagree with her on a lot of things and how she rules and stuff. But the fact that you can love her and hate her at the same time is really amazing writing. It is. And I do sometimes love her, like absolutely adore her. And at other times, she just annoys the complete, like, I'm just like, I wish you had never been born. You're stealing the spotlight from my beloved Starks. But sometimes, I, okay, so I think the reason why I like Jorah so much is because when he looks at her, he sees the girl that she was in the character that I loved at the beginning. The one that was so relatable before any of her, like, tyrants like she had a mean streak as do i but like now that he's gone who looks at her and sees that like it it feels like the thing that connects danny to her goodness is gone now exactly like he his presence was always a subconscious reminder to her of who she was where she came from everything that she'd been through with him and all the compassion that she had and so much empathy. Like when she was with the Dothraki and she was trying to spare so many of like, of like the herder people from being killed and raped and stuff. That's still there. That part of her is still existing with Jorah and her, his presence is what brings it out in her. And then I think what you and I both see is when Jorah is with her, we see 
Danny through Jorah's eyes, and he still sees that goodness in her. And with that, with him dead, that's all gone now. He is her last link to her past. It's like no one else remembers what she was like when she was, you know, like the Khaleesi. Yeah. No one else remembers her from season two. No one else remembers her up until Missandei. And then Missandei wasn't her friend. Missandei was basically a slave she got in exchange and then set free and like they became besties or whatever. But Missandei didn't see Danny go on that journey. And it's like, I, I feel like Danny has forgotten it. She really has. But you see her remember when she's with Jorah, specifically in this season. And I really like this season. We know we talk shit about Danny all the time, but I've liked Danny the most in this season that, than I have in any other season, including season one. Really? Yeah, because in season one, I've, I don't know, I just didn't quite connect with her character. Like, I, I, I liked her and I felt sympathy for her, but she was never really some someone that was super on my radar or that I thought was extremely interesting. But now I actually do love her as the character because I think a lot of these developments are coming together very cohesively and Jorah being there is helping was helping me see it Mm -hmm. um and now with him gone yeah like she's gonna go dark Danny it's literally the if I look back I am lost he was her last link to the past and so she can't look back anymore there's nothing to look back to or yeah and what goes along with that is that Bran is humanity's memory, so the Night King wants to kill Bran, so that way he can kill off all of humanity's memory. Mm-hmm. And so Bran also has had a huge amount of struggles in his life. I would say, arguably, some of the most, um, <laughs> driven from his home as like a crippled kid, um, crippled. Um, having to like survive beyond the wall, watching his dire wolf die. Like it's a horrible arc, but Bran does look back and in a way he is lost. And yeah, he is, he is very lost. He is very lost, but it's like something he needs to do in order to have like make the world better. And it's a sacrifice to look back because you lose something like in it, like you somewhat lose part of yourself to yeah i think the the two arcs kind of go hand in hand and i'm not a hundred percent sure on the link but bran being humanity's memory and danny and her if i look back i am lost it is so obviously connected in my opinion Mm -hmm. like danny if she refuses to look back right and then she wants to be queen and she will be queen of everything and bran he was lord of winterfell sansa's like you could be lord of winterfell and bran goes no I will never be Lord of anything. I am the three-eyed raven. I am humanity's memory. So Danny, if she wanted to look back maybe and make sacrifices, she could have. She could have done that in the House of the Undying, couldn't she? Um, mm-hmm. But yet she chose herself and she chose to move on and live, which is honestly the more normal decision, like to not yeah. hang out in the hive mind. Who would choose? Her? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I think it sets Danny and Bran apart. And but not only mm-hmm. sets them apart, but puts them in a clear parallel. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Bran is very much, like, barely existent within the Three-Eyed Raven. Like, we only see these little echoes of Bran. So it's not like Bran is dead. He's in there somewhere, but it's he's truly sacrificed himself for everything. Like, his identity, really. Is his role just to carry society's memory? I guess. I'm not really sure where his role goes now with the Night King dead, because the one thing that's wanted to destroy humanity is gone, so he's the one, he's like the protector. Maybe there is another thing that wants to destroy humanity. I mean, it's a song of ice and fire. Bran is earth. Yeah, oh yes, yes, we did talk about that. Um, Fire dragons made flesh. (laughs) No, dragons are fire made flesh. I I also think um, this sort of ties into Bran in two points. One, with Arya killing the Night King, um, A, using the move she did to beat Brienne in the training grounds, and B, using the dagger to kill the Night King, which had previously been used to try and kill Bran, but she had used it, she uses it to save Bran's life. I thought that was pretty symbolic. It was, it was. And then... We also had Arya give Sansa a dagger. Mm-hmm. Like a, and I was like, stick him with the pointy yeah. end. There were so many good lines. So many good lines for Arya that called back to who she was. And it's a lot of, I think in the beginning, in the first episode or two, we really saw her struggling to remember who, who she is as Arya Stark because she had become this cold-blooded killer, but she doesn't want to be that that to be like only be that and she has been grasping at her humanity again which started definitely with Gendry and now with this episode so many lines calling back to her in the early seasons with stick him with the pointy end and what do we say to the god of death it's it's really a point where we see yes yes Arya has regained her humanity she knows who she is now and I quite liked that and I think it was good that they chose Arya to kill the Night King because, um, yeah, it would have been cool if like Bran had a psychic battle with him, but <laughs> I know that would doesn't really make any sense. And then it would have to be a Stark. I mean, if Danny had killed the Night King, it would have been a little bit weird because the North is sort of like the main target of the Night King. Because we've been, they've well, the first target. Yeah, yeah, they've been feeling the pressure of it for a longer time. So I think it had to be a Stark, and then really the only two that had the ability to do it are John and Arya. And then if John had killed the Night King, it would have been so incredibly stereotypical. Because even though I love John and he's great and he does his best, like John in this episode, he tried his damnedest for everything, and I really support him. <laughs> But it, yeah. but if he had killed the Night King, it would have been very, very overly stereotypical. But another thing, though, is do you know when um, John is on the ground and he's trying to run sneakily <laughs> after the Night King and the Night King just like stops and turns around? Mm-hmm. Him raising the whites when he sees John for me, was a definite indicator. Valyrian Steel can kill the Night King because he had zero fear of Danny and Dragonfire. He didn't raise any whites uh, when Danny was staring him down on Drogon, but he knew, hey, if John gets close enough to me, he could kill me because he has a Valyrian Steel blade. So that that was a really little key there that I was that I picked up on, and I thought it was really interesting. 
So John did do something. <laughs> he did a lot. Yeah, he did. He always tries his best. <laughs> yeah. And we, I mean, we were talking. He always goes hard. I mean, eh, Jon Snow, even though he knows nothing, is a good boy. Like, we may, we may be so flustered and, like, frustrated with him sometimes, but he's a good person. And he really just wants to do the best thing. And he puts himself second and always has. And it was a very good episode for him in showing that side of John, where John's not just always a big hero and he never really was until recently. And so it's a real callback to the core of, of John as a character. Yes, that's what I loved about it because John isn't Superman. He's not like this this image that the Northerners are talking about, like I heard that you were the best man to ever wield a blade or whatever mm -hmm. Ramsey said to him. You're the finest swordsman the North's ever seen. Do you remember that? Yeah. And like to me, that wasn't Jon Snow. Jon Snow is just the one who was trying the hardest. Yeah. Like, that's what... That's... He showed up. He tried to do the right thing and he tried. Yeah. And that's like the whole thing that he, he did as Lord Commander is he just was doing the right thing and he knew it was the right thing and he knew it was risky and it got him killed. But he sacrifices like, like he died doing the right thing which is just down to the core of john and it reminds me so much of why i love him especially in the books um so he's just a good man he, he is a good man he's gonna he yeah like he's very honorable he's gonna do what he thinks is best for the majority or the people he loves which is why if dark danny happens i think he's gonna kill danny even if, even if, okay, if John Aris is real and political John is not, and or whatever, and he truly loves her, he still, he will still kill her because it, like, he wants to save Westeros or his family from Daenerys and what she can do or what she has become. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is my two cents. Um, some of my other things is I was pretty right on my death count. Were you? Yeah, because I had said, um, I had said Beric, Tormund, Ed, Grey Worm, Theon, Jorah. And did Tormund die? Tormund did not die. So the ones I was wrong on were uh, Tormund and Grey Worm, but I got Ed, Jorah, Theon, and Beric correct. I did not guess Leanna Mormont because I didn't want to. And I did not guess Melisandre whatsoever because I didn't see her coming at all. Which, yeah. It was quite random, her just showing up. Well, it wasn't random, Rachel. Well, we knew it was going to happen. We said she was going to show up. Well, yeah, we knew she was going to come, but we hadn't seen her at all in the first two episodes. So her just like riding out of the darkness was random to me. There was no indication of what was going on between when she leaves Dragonstone and then. So I think that was also maybe part of the reason why I kind of convinced myself that they would lose this battle at Winterfell and that they would have to regroup and fight again um, was because Melisandre wasn't there. But I also really got convinced into that by the, by the people that I was watching with. And then after this episode, I'm like, no. I gotta stick to my guns because Lizzie is definitely right. So, and you convinced me of a lot of things. So that means like everything I say is right. <laughs> did you tell your people about political John? Yeah, I did. What did they say? Oh, I think we talked about this last episode, but they were just like, yeah, that's like what he's doing, right? 
and god they're so so to them like it's not a theory it's just obvious kind of yeah um it's so funny like one of them okay so it's, it's their names are cameron and jesse and jesse thought that aria was gonna die like 100 percent, and then uh cameron thought maybe aria would die and if she did she'd get brought brought back to life and then jesse was completely convinced that they were gonna lose hardcore and then do all this scattering thing and then i was like oh okay that may, I guess that makes sense, whatever. Because even though I was on the Dark Danny train and it was so set up, I guess I just didn't quite have enough faith in D&D to make it happen correctly. So I think, or that they would have to do it in concurrence with like Battle for the Dawn stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm excited because if they do this, if they do this right, it's going to be amazing. It will be. And I have, and, and watch it with the first three episodes now, I have total faith in them. The episode four might be a little shaky because it is a trend, a very big, important transition, but also um, David Nutter is directing it, who did uh, episodes one and two. So I'm cautiously optimistic, like a little nervous, but I, ha- I think it's going to go good. Who's directing the last episodes? I'm not sure. Let me look it up. And who's writing them? Do we get another Cogman episode or did we just get one? No, a Cogman only wrote one. It was episode two. And then Dave Hill wrote episode one. And all the other episodes, so three through six, are written by D&D. And then David Nutter directs it episodes one, two, and four. Miguel Sepochnik, he's the big battle uh, guy episode three obviously and then he's scheduled to direct episode five which i also think is going to be a big battle episode with cersei Cersei and king's landing and everything and then D &D are directing the final episode Mm -hmm. interesting so that's a lot of it is but (laughs) (laughs) it might be too much D. &D. that's giving them a lot of opportunities to fuck up like literally you know that john mulaney meme that's like oh there's a horse in the hospital (laughs) now the horse is the doctor (laughs) we're just allowing our horses to have too much control oh well i'm just gonna i'm just gonna uh actually try and keep on the optimism train for once in my life i'm normally 100 percent go for the pessimism like just think the worst of everything but with how well episodes one through three through three have gone um not just in terms of production and writing but in how we have sort of perceived how they're gonna go everything's felt right so far like the deaths so far for me have felt right the moments between the characters have felt right like a lot of the reunions and stuff so I don't know if that's just fan that's because it's fan service or what, but I think they are very aware of what what they need to do and that they need to do right by every single character because it is a character show. So I'm I've been getting that vibe of a lot of thought going into how this should go. And it's not just like, hey, this will be cool, or what if we did this, this, this? It's a lot of like having ideas but really mulling them over and have letting them sit to really f- feel out what is best um 
in what makes the most sense and what is the most, I don't know, the really the the best way to wrap things up. So, yeah. Also, my parachuter Night King theory was correct. Oh my god. I... <laughs> Fuck paratrooper Niking. He didn't. It's not paratrooper Niking if he just falls off the dragon. Okay, but I knew that he was gonna be falling through the air. Okay, I was like, you you planned it as a jump. Okay, yeah. Purposeful dismount. Hey, either way, I'm like at least half to sixty percent correct on that. Yeah, my whole my whole theories for episode three was really just like crazy stuff that I thought would be super cool like <laughs> where would net tap and Night King power drop <laughs> yeah what was Grant doing in the weird I have literally no clue he just logged out the whole time he's like I have to go now and it was like this user has signed out <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't really he doesn't log back in until the Night King's literally right there. And he's like, Theon, you're a good man. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. He just stares down the Night King, though, and he's like, I literally could not give less of a fuck. Could not give less of a fuck. Bran is such a yeah. like just a stone-cold, sassy bitch. He really, he really is our baby. I know, I love him. It's like, like it's a real role, but he didn't, though. <laughs> no, it's like... I really don't know where he was working. Like, was he just in the Ravens the whole time? It's like, you could have tried harder, Bran. <laughs> you really could Yeah, why couldn't he, like, war ghosts and then get ghosts to come and, like, bite the Night King in the ass? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was really concerned when I didn't see Ghost after the Dothraki charge, but anybody who's worried Ghost is alive... He is in the trailer for episode four. There's a shot very briefly where um, John, Danny, Sansa, Arya, and Torment um, are walking towards. I think like it's not really shown much on screen, but it's like a it's like a funeral pyre pyre of bodies to light them, and Ghost is there standing in the background, kind of between uh, like Varys and I think Bran. Mm. So Ghost is alive. Do not fear. Rhaegal is also apparently alive. According to Lizzie, I thought he was dead, but... He he was in the promo. Two more things. Well, three more things. But two more things for me. Um, so there was no kiss of life. <laughs> no. <laughs> Beric, I really thought that was the point of Beric's character. I mean, kind of do. Like, he... There were... Three moments, I straight up thought, oh, he's dead now. Like, he's been stabbed way too many times. He's definitely dead. And then finally, I was like, okay, when he had that, like, Christ-like imagery holding the whites back with his hands on the wall, I was like, okay, he's definitely dead. And then Sandor just, like, drags him through the door and, like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> Truly, what the fuck? I was like, damn, Beric Dondarrion. He's had a rough go. Well, he's he's a yeah true tough ass motherfucker. That's mm-hmm. a lot. It takes a lot to kill Barry Dondarrion. Except well, he's been killed a lot of times, but you know, uh, Melisandre dying, how she died was very not expected for me. What did you expect? I would have expected something. I don't know, a little bit more 
climactic's not the correct word, but I would have expected her to die early or die within the battle. Like, you know, when she's about to, trying to light up the, uh, the moat, a moment kind of like that. But it was peacefully satisfying to see her just walk and take the necklace off and die. Like, it was on her own terms, and she just knew that, yet, yeah, like, like, there's just no place for me anymore. The fact that she was the one that ended her own life, um, I think shows me that she was, like, remorseful of the mistakes she had made. And that Davos sees that was important. I think she, like, really obviously was remorseful, like, of killing Shireen. Like, when... Mm -hmm. When she killed Shireen and nothing happened because it, mm -hmm. she she had like a crisis of confidence. Yeah, but I think it was Davos never saw that, so her death was utilized, I guess, as a way to give him closure, in at least one sense. And I quite enjoyed that because I love Davos and I just want him to be happy and him sort of putting that pain to rest. It feels feels good like i'm glad he has that like it feels good it feels right yeah also dadvos has been such a thing this season when he sees Arya fighting oh and he's just like holy fuck <laughs> i was in the exact moment i saw in his eyes like he just mentally signed the adoption papers <laughs> oh my god next episode he's gonna have to see liana's corpse oh that's gonna be tough for him especially since she was like she was, like, one of the first ones. The kids, he's like, you are now my child. <laughs> and they had, yeah, that interaction, man, in season six was fantastic. That really started off Dadvos, and that really, that was the point where everybody was like, yes, I love this girl. I mean, that's it was her first scene, but. That's when you started standing. Leanna, everybody stands Leanna Mormont. She mm, took don't. out a, she had, What? Sansa stands hate her. Well, you know what? She died taking out a white giant. That was pretty badass. It was extremely badass. <clears throat> yeah. Well, one thing about having both Lyanna and Jorah die is House Mormont is now extinct, which makes me sad. I was hoping one of them lived. I stand to them. <laughs> So you told me Lizzie cried when Jorah died. Yeah. I really love Jorah and Danny together. I don't know if we've discussed this on the podcast yet. Or if that was just me and Ranch earlier. But like to me they're like the epitome of like chivalry chivalric romance. Like on the show version. And he's just like mm -hmm. dedicated to her and loves her completely. And she does not return the love, but just dearly loves him in her own way. Mm -hmm. And the dedication and the loyalty and... And then the way Danny picked up a sword, which she'd never done, to try and... Defend Jorah? Yeah. Like, do you think she would have done that for John? No. It's hard to imagine. And the, yeah, he probably would have ran away for John. Yeah, it's just, it makes me sad, but literally, how else would Jorah die besides defending Daenerys and dying in her arms? It was really the best possible way for him to die. 
Yeah, the only thing I wish is that he got to say it, Khaleesi or I love you or I love you Khaleesi one last time or that she would have given him, given him a kiss, like either like on the forehead or something, like give it to me. But hey, we still have a funeral. She could Ooh, say yeah, her goodbye. Danny burning him. Like, the, I wonder if she'll do it in the Dothraki style. I don't know. It's going to be really emotional, though. That's, oh, man. That's going to be the saddest part is is the, is the funeral because we experienced all the deaths of these characters and it's sad, but when you see the other characters reacting to that and how deeply, more deeply it affects them because they know these people, then then you feel the sympathy as well and it kind of like makes you even more sad. Truly is a bittersweet. Mm-hmm. I want to see them rebuild Winterfell. Yeah, I mean, it's not that broken, but I think they do. There's a little bit of a a part in the trailer for what's the next episode where there's like, like a guy with a wheelbarrow going around and looks like they're fixing up the wall. The wall of Winterfell? Like the, the wall, wall of the walls of Winterfell. That'll make me happy. We're doing some stone masonry. I just want them to build like a nice cozy castle and like the rest of the world can fuck off. Like, I don't care about Cersei and Danny's drama. Yeah. But uh, John's obligated to now go fight. Yeah. I wonder if Santa will be declared queen in the north. I want it. Me too. Me too, little buddy. <laughs> oh, so I think that's it for yeah. today. That's yeah, that's that's our episode three reaction. Um, not really any, any predictions for episode four. It's kind of hard to tell. There's not much to go on besides dark Danny setup, like true, not just hints, like literal setup for dark Danny. Any other thoughts, Lazzle? I'm looking forward to seeing whether John is truly in love with Daenerys and how he handles her in the post-parental revelation, how that goes. Will Danny mm-hmm. accept John? Will the Northerners accept John if it comes out he's a Targaryen? Who's going to find out who's, he's a Targaryen next? We shall see. Oh, wow. The end is really upon us. Oh, goodness. It really is. Well, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Catch us next week after episode four. Goodbye.